DJ and PK joined now by David Nixon, former Cougar, former NFL linebacker, BYU TV football analyst. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line, T-Mobile and Sprint, coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. DJ, what's going on? 55 to 3 is going on, David. <laughs> that was a beatdown. Uh... Listen, you, you saw Kenny Matalolo's comments after the game, just saying, hey, we weren't prepared at all, uh, BYU was. and Yeah, it's pretty evident from step one. I mean, BYU jumped on early and, and did not take their foot off the gas pedal. It was uh, it was fun to see. Honestly, we were talking about it as a, as a crew. I I think this might be the most complete game of Kalani Satake's era. I mean, uh, all three facets of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And so – it was fun to watch, especially the first game of the year, because everyone always has question marks on their first game, right? I mean, you hear reports coming out of fall camp that they're looking great, certain guys are sticking out, things are starting to gel, uh, but you still have that kind of that question mark in the back of your head, that doubt that, hey, are these reports true or not? Are they going to come out and lay an egg? And, and sure enough, they, uh, they kind of showed out. So um, it was fun to watch. It was definitely fun to watch. So I think the one thing that I take away, and you can tell me if I'm right or not, but I read a preview talking about uh, NFL-caliber guys you could watch week one because there were no Power 5 games, right? Even the three leagues that are playing, nobody played week one. But it was kind of for college football fans and NFL fans. Well, watch these guys, right? Because uh, SMU's quarterback's an NFL draft prospect, and there's this D lineman and this safety and blah, blah, blah. And then they got to like the seventh one in the list, and I saw BYU offensive line. And they were talking about the scouts are looking at four guys. Now, maybe they won't all make it, but you figure at least a couple of them will. And even if you're, you know, if you're the third or fourth best offensive lineman in an O line and you're a, you know, projected as a fringe NFL guy, you're pretty good. So, given the fact that we know NFL scouts believe in them, at least to some degree, that they're coming back to see them one more time, and the fact that they just ran for 300 yards on Navy, should we believe that the BYU offensive line is going to push people around all season? I think so. I mean, and listen, these are the whole bunch of guys. Because of the injuries last year, you had a rotation of six, seven guys that got playing time last year um, and, and played well. I mean, keep in mind, they were blocking for three separate quarterbacks last year and, and still had success. So uh, they're, they're hogs, and, and they were out there, and, and uh, they, they kind of proved their value uh, last night with, with what they did, as you mentioned, uh, 301 rushing yards, 580 total yards. I mean, uh, Zach had all day, you know, passing the ball. He dropped back. They had 279 passing yards. And so they controlled that line of scrimmage. They had a, the surge for them. They were two, three yards on the field every play. And keep in mind, yeah, it is Navy. And I, and I pointed out in the tweet that they had, I think it's like a 49-pound advantage on Navy's defensive line. Uh, I mean, they were just – Navy. Uh, any of these, you know, Air Force, Navy, Army, you expect to have that type of size differential. But typically, those service academies counter that with just how they are, right? And these, these are guys who fight for our country, and um, they're not going to just lay down. They're, they're, they're going to fight till the last minute. But – uh, BYU just pushed them all around, and it was it was impressive to see. But there's no question. I think the strongest unit on that offensive side of the ball is the offensive line. And of course, if you have a strong offensive line, uh, you can protect your quarterback, you can create holes for your running backs, uh, and then you allow time for your quarterback to get the ball to your receivers. So it helps everyone the whole offensive side of the ball. So yeah, I think that's something to watch. And and uh, uh, you know, I, I think I think they do legitimately have three or four guys that will be able to make it to the pros. 
um, that they can kind of keep up with, with what they did last night. So on the broadcast, they were uh, throwing Navy a lifeline, pointing out, well, they haven't been hitting. It's very unusual, but, you know, <laughs> the 2020 football season is very unusual. So welcome to the party. Uh, how much of this would you put on the fact Navy wasn't hitting and how much of a hey, BYU's offensive line has size, they got, they got quality, and they were going to do this no matter what Navy did in uh, scrimmage? Yeah, I, listen. I think I think there is a little bit something to that where if you haven't been able to hit live contact, you know, uh, Ken was saying since last year their bowl game, uh, it's tough. I, I I totally agree. It's tough. That being said, after the first or couple two series, then you get the feel of what it's like to hit again. I mean, these are kids that have been playing football since Pee Wee, right? I mean, it's not like all of a sudden within nine months they've lost the complete feel of how to go hit somebody um, and how to play the game of football. Uh, but it, it definitely it definitely hurts, and, and it showed. BYU jumped on early, right? Uh, defense uh, forced three and out. Offense goes down, score, uh, and that was kind of the, the name of the games. But um, you know, it, it, it doesn't help. But also, I don't know if you you can blame that entire game on the fact that you weren't able to tackle in fall camp. Uh, but uh, you know, I guess you can make excuses if you want to. So, uh, what did you think of Zach Wilson? 13 of 18, 232 yards, had the pick with the receiver stumbling. You know, the, the run game looks good, and the play-action game ought to make life pretty good for a quarterback off that. How did you think he did? Yeah, you know, I thought he did really well. Um, and, and what I was watching was his decision-making, and uh, because that's something that I think all Cougar fans have wanted to see him get better at, uh, was maybe not trying to force the ball into, into tight spots. I think he actually did a terrific job. Like you said, the interception was Neil Powell coming out of his break, uh, stumbled a bit over the linebacker's foot, it looked like, and uh, and then the ball just flew and, and the DB had an easy break on it. So um, I, I don't know if I necessarily chalked it up to Zach per se, uh, but the rest of the night he had a couple plays where he probably could have gone for the more risky pass and tried to squeeze in the window, but instead he checked it down um, and and he lived to fight another day and he got a good gain off it. So. I think that's what everyone wants to see with Zach. Can he go from his sophomore year um, where last year he threw 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions, almost a one-to-one pass, uh, touchdown to, to interception ratio. Can he get up into that two-to-one, three-to-one ratio where he's just making better decisions? Uh, and and with, once again, with that offensive line, I think Zach will notice that he doesn't have to go out there and win the game himself. I mean, now with Tyler Algier, with the way he played yesterday, the way he ran downhill, um, when he, with Lopini Katoa, the way he's playing – I mean, you've got Jackson McChesney came in and played well. I mean, you've got uh, a running back room that's very capable. And so for Zach, it's, you don't have to go out there and win this thing yourself. Let your, let get the ball in the, in the hands of your playmakers uh, and make good decisions. Don't turn the ball over. Make good decisions. And I think this team can have success. I think where he struggled in the past is that uh, I think he felt too much pressure on himself. That he needed to get out there and scramble and he'd fumble it or he'd hold, hold on to the ball too long because he wanted to throw the deep ball and and make a big play, and you know he gets sacked and fumble, or or uh, or he throw a pick. So um, I think I think all fans want to see him take that next step in maturity, uh, where he start to understand the game a little more, starts to slow down a little more, but more importantly, he start to make better decisions. Uh, and I think we saw that from uh, last night. So defensively, uh, we talked about how good the O line was. Obviously, defensively, they limited Navy thirty nine carries, one hundred nineteen yards. It's 3.1 yards per carry, so that's really good, especially when you consider Navy broke off two big run plays. So really, 
<laughs> the rest of them. It was a couple yards of snap. How much of the credit goes to Tonga? How much of the credit goes to that D-line? How just in complete control did you think those guys were? It was it was insane. Uh, probably the best defensive outing I've ever seen during the college Tataki era um, from, from this defense. And it really all started up front with Kyrus Tonga. I, I, I love watching Kyrus. I'd sit there and watch play after play, just watch him particularly. I wouldn't even watch the quarterback and where the ball's going. And and they tried to double team him various times, and he'd split the double team. He'd take care of the dive, and that's how it is in this triple option. You have to take care of the dive first because that's their first read. That's where they want the ball to go, uh, especially maybe with their their running back. Uh, he he was their big stud, and and Kyrus has swallowed it up. I mean, they basically eliminated that option throughout the whole night, and they forced the quarterback into then uh, going to his next read, which is him tucking it or trying to pitch it to the running back. Uh, and then that's where the credit goes to BYU's linebackers. You know, BYU's linebackers with Isaiah Kafusi, um, uh, Pepe Tanavasa, who, who transferred from Navy, uh, had, you know, led the team in tackles last night, uh, and, and the, the rest of the crew. I mean, they were flying around making plays. And, and I, I will say this. When you play Air Force, uh, any type of schools, Navy, Army, this triple option, you really do feed off each other. I remember playing them in my days. When, when you're stuffing them and they're only getting one or two yards per carry and they're forced into a third and long, which is which is where they're not comfortable at all, you just feed off each other and it's it's a it's a riot. It's a it's a blast out there. Uh, conversely, if if they're just in their way and, and gashing you with eight nine yards per carry, it's uh, it's the longest night you'll ever have your entire life. Uh, so it goes both ways. But this BYU defense was dominating. The, the secondary, I love to watch the secondary. Secondary was coming up, fly, flying, hidden guys. You look at Troy Warner, they actually moved him to corner. He's been playing safety all camp. They moved him to corner to provide kind of that more, uh, more, of, a, more of a tackler on the outside. Uh, but uh, Zane Harrison was coming down from the safety position. It was just it was fun to see. It was a well-oiled machine in game one, which, like I said, typically in first games you expect there to be uh, some things you got to work through. But this BYU team was, was rolling, and it was – I mean, it showed the score of 55 to three, it's, and then that's after you pulled all the starters midway through the third. I mean, if if Kalani wanted to run it up, he easily could have. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of guys got other reps. And it was fun because a lot of these kids during fall camp, uh, you know, they've grinded, they've they've worked hard, and it was fun to kind of reward them there at the end, let a whole bunch of kids, uh, second, third stringers, get in and and you know get a little taste of what it's like to have some live game action. So you've talked about the most complete performance of the Kalani era, and I think people remember yeah, four years ago, his first year they went back and really won pretty easily at Michigan State, dominated that. A couple of years ago it was a close game, and they won at Wisconsin, and last year Tennessee, USC at home, and giving Boise State their only regular season loss. Those kind of jump out at me as, what was that, four, five, five, I guess, uh, five best wins of the Kalani era. So rank this amidst those five. Where do you put it? Well, it's tough to obviously put this game on par with winning at Wisconsin and being a ranked USC team at home in overtime like we saw last year. Um, but I would say it's in the top five. And, and, and like I said, I think because of the fact that you come off a very disappointing end of the season last year with losing to San Diego State, then losing uh, against Hawaii in the bowl game, where many thought that this that, that should have been a pretty promising season after going 2-2 two and two in the month of September and beating USC at home. Um, and so BYU fans expected to, to – I mean, BYU was ranked at one point uh, after beating USC, uh, and, then, and then they really just stumbled against Toledo in, in South Florida. And so – I think, uh, if anything, this, this game provides BYU fans a little bit of hope to say, 
okay, yeah, we, we thought on paper we had a great team going into the season, uh, and, and now there's maybe some consistency here where they're back, you know, living up to that hype and living up to that name. And, and that's what they did last night. So the big question is next weekend's Army. Can there be some consistency here where they go out and they, and they you know, beat up on Army? And now BYU fans really start to, you know, buy into the hype. But, listen, we've all been on this roller coaster before, right? Like I said last season, kind of up and down, up and down. Um, can, can BYU have some type of consistency and, and win at a consistent pace? I think that's what everyone's so anxious about. But, you know, up to now, you're, you're relishing in, in this victory. And, uh, you know, that, that's a team that went 11-2 last year. There's no, there's no, there's no slouches. Uh, but that being said, they were replacing their, their star quarterback, who's now with the Miami Dolphins. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's a great start. And, and we'll see if, what they can put together against Army. I mean, it's, uh, you saw what Army did to Middle Tennessee. So um, I think it should be a pretty solid matchup uh, in about a week and a half. See, David, you've turned into a broadcaster. You're not even the player X player anymore. You, you halfway answered my next question because you know where this is going. I think there's always in college football, at the end of that opening game, no matter what happens, is like, well, is this team that good or is that team that bad? You know, I, I can remember in the Utes 2004 season and they beat Texas A&M really badly. And I thought, well, if A&M's is good – then the Utah team, how good? You know, it all gets confirmed as you go forward, but I think you can literally pick any year and you can pick a handful of opening games. And I think this year, let's pick two. Is Army that good or is Army that bad after beating Middle Tennessee State 42 nothing? And is BYU this good or is uh, Navy uh, that bad after that 55-3? to So of the four teams, and I don't know how much you watched of Army and Middle Tennessee State – is there anything you can say definitively about any four of them, or do you really need a second game to check all of this? Well, this is why I always joke about, even as a player, I felt the same way. I mean, the preseason polls are a joke, and then the, they start putting out the, the rankings after week one, two, three. Those are a joke because, like you said, you have no idea where you stand or, or whether these teams are any good or not. I mean, you can look back at the end of the season. In fact, I remember this in 2008, my senior year, we played Washington – we beat them early on in the season uh, on uh, Jake, you know, Jake Locker threw the ball in the air and uh-huh, we blocked right. extra point to yeah. win. And so we were on top of the world thinking, man, we just beat a solid uh, Washington team. And sure <laughs> enough, I think that year they went over. They, they didn't did. Win game. They did. <laughs> and, so, and so it just goes to show you, you have no idea. You can only, obviously you can only play your best ball and, and, and uh, you know, play the teams in front of you and, and hope that they do well the rest of the season. But um, you, you just never know. And I, that's, I think even listen as players, they're probably thinking the same thing right now. They're like, wow, we just put together a soft performance. Are we, are we that good or is maybe that bad? I mean, I, you, you wonder a little bit. And, that, and that's why, you know, I was mentioning this last night on our post-game show, I guarantee these guys wish they could play this Saturday. Tom Homo came out and said, listen, we're not going to put our guys through this, having to go back, you know, East Coast uh, road trips kind of back-to-back weeks. We didn't want to try and squeeze a game in for this Saturday to be too close and too brutal. It's unfortunate right now as you look hindsight because – I guarantee you those BYU players want to get back on the field tomorrow because uh, you have that kind of that taste in your mouth. But, um, you know, they're, they're going to have to wait a week and a half to get out of there and play again. But we'll see. I mean, that, that's what's so fun about college football, right? I mean, it's, it's a week-to-week game, and, and early in the season, you're not quite sure who's going to be good, who's not. And, uh, you know, that's why you, you, you line up and play the game. But um, regardless, it's exciting to see the, the potential this team has and, and, and frankly, I think it's good for the players as well because they can see that if they are that they all do play as kind of one big unit and, and they play pretty much flawlessly, 
what they're capable of. And, and that's, a, that's a thumping on a, on a good Navy team, a well-coached Navy team, a well-disciplined Navy team. Um, and, and you can kind of see once you, when you put it all together, when all three phases of the game are rolling, kind of, kind of what the result can look like. Well, uh, I am 100% on board with Tom Homo and Kalani Sataki deciding, hey, let's have a bye week. Because from the go look up the 2000 team that had to travel back east to play uh, Syracuse and Virginia and Florida State, and they got drilled twice and had an incredible rally to beat Virginia in overtime. Traveling is hard. And just look at last year's team that lost to Toledo and South Florida and Hawaii and had all those games and lost them all in the fourth quarter. Just got completely outplayed in the fourth quarter of all three of those games. So travel is hard. It would add up. And if you're going to go to Navy and go to Army in three weeks, I think having the third week be a bye week is a really good plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, I would totally agree. And, and keep in mind, I mean, when you're playing Navy and Army, you get beat up even that much more uh, because those guys are just relentless on the other side of the ball. And they run that triple option, so you've got guys cutting you and chopping you at the legs, and so your legs are sore, and, and you've got both the bruises you, you didn't know that uh, you could have after you face teams like this because it's not, it's not normal football, right? I mean, you, this year, you'll be face, we'll face uh, you know, Army and Navy, which run the triple option, but up till now, uh, it's been like I think five or six years since BYU faced a triple option team, and so it's just not something you're used to. Um, and and so I agree that the, the buy the buy works. Obviously, I think what Tom was originally hoping to do was get a FCS type team yeah. this Saturday, which would have helped because hopefully once again your starters are out by the halftime and you've got other guys in. But but I think ultimately it was, the right, it was definitely the right call um, and uh, leave this leave this Saturday open and then and then roll from there. But. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens now. It's funny because Kirk Herbstreit uh, and Reese mentioned Reese Davis mentioned on the on the call that uh, you know we'll, we'll see if teams want to play BYU. You know, Tom Homo alluded to the fact that they, they wanted to fill the last call it two, three, four games towards the end of the season with other teams, and and, and we'll see if if uh, other teams are up to that. <laughs> you might have some teams that are just like ah, we'll pass for now. But uh, obviously, a lot of football to be played, and and we'll see how this BYU team shakes out. But uh, once again, a really complete game by them. Uh, it was fun to watch it, you know, come all about from from really the start of the the first snap of the game. Uh, BYU deferred. They, they forced Navy to go three and out, stuff the stuff the triple option, then the offense just rolled straight down, really by just rushing the ball uh, and just kind of just giving them their own taste of their own uh, medicine. Just just rush the ball and just kind of cram down their throats and then just rolled from there, kept the momentum and rolled from there. So fun to watch and and we'll see uh, we'll see how they can do. And we can have against Army and and uh, see what type of BYU team we have this year. You know, I think it's going to be hard to schedule teams later in the year. Uh, one reason is you're right competitively. There are going to be some teams that are like, yeah, we want no part of that. What's the point? Uh, I think the other thing is we're going to see games delayed, and teams are going to have to plug conference games into bye weeks. You know, TCU, SMU, if they have a chance, they're going to want to replay their rivalry game. Uh, not have one of them take on BYU. So I think that's another thing that's going to make it difficult. But I'm not completely without hope because I can see a team that thinks they're pretty good, that thinks they need one more quality win to get into a playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl game, say, yeah, we'll play BYU to prove something. Yeah. So that's the one scenario that's out there. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's Tom's hope. And listen, I think if, if those teams don't emerge, I think there's still probably plenty of teams that Tom could call up and, and make it a pay game where, um, you know, he finds a way to, to have them come out here and we'll pay him a little bit of money to make it happen. So 
I, I think he'll get a couple more games. I think he's just holding out to try to get some of those big P5 bigger names uh, before he spills it up with, with others. So um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's this, interesting, this season, as you mentioned at, at the beginning of the interview, this is just a crazy season that, that there's no playbook for, right? I mean, I feel like it's kind of for the first-time parents. Um, and in fact, Taysom, uh, Taysom Hills, you know, my brother-in-law, and they just had their first little kid, and we were laughing about how it, there's there's no playbook for being a first-time parent. I mean, it's <laughs> like they send you home with like a, uh, a big binder when you leave the hospital and say, okay, just make sure you follow these steps, right? I just uh, and I feel I feel like it's the same way with Tom Homo right now. There's there's no playbook for him. He's just kind of flying by, riding by the seat of his pants and and trying to make this all all work. But uh, and you saw the players were just ecstatic in their post game interviews we had with them last night. They were all just saying how just how appreciative appreciative they are of Tom Homo for putting the schedule together and allowing the chance to play. And I think that's how the whole fan base feels. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of cupcakes on the schedule. Um, but the fact that they're just out there playing, it was it was just so fun to watch last night, see a BYU team running out on the field and uh, having this opportunity. So you kind of just take it, uh, you just take it at face value and, and root on your team, and we'll see how the cards lie here at the end of the season. If the other teams step up to the plate, want to play them. Um, if not, you know, then we'll we'll see uh, we'll see if there's bowl games and how that all works out as well. But just support them in the meantime and enjoy the ride. All right, and don't be too hard on yourself about that 2008 win over Washington because you broke them. You broke them emotionally with that win. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, we, we, were the, uh, we were the one that took their whole season to go downhill. That's what we tell ourselves. That's exactly so. right. Keep telling yourself that. There's nobody to say anything else at this point, so just look in the mirror. <laughs> we broke them. Yeah, we broke their will. That's, that's what caused them to go over, for sure. David, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, DJ, take care.